This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sal Sports and Stuff, episode number 20. Thanks a lot to all of you new subscribers and downloaders and everybody who's been coming along for however long you've been here. It's been really, really interesting trying to get some creative content out, and I appreciate all the feedback lately. Mike Pekka, former Sabres captain, came aboard uh, on a podcast last week. We talked about all the late 90s playoff games and run to the Stanley Cup. Then I had Mike North, the guy who makes the NFL schedule, director of uh, broad- VP of Broadcasting and Scheduling for the NFL. Absolutely fascinating conversation with him. Talked about how the schedule's made, all the things that go into it, the human element, the computerized elements of it, and then, of course, the Buffalo Bills, primetime games, national TV games. I want everybody to go and listen to that. You know, obviously, the situation we're in is really, really tough on everybody. One of the things that's done for me is because I want to strive to give you the best content. It's allowed me to tap into my creative side again, and, and I've kind of rediscovered that a little bit. So I was trying to think of some creative things to do, and full disclosure, got an idea from my colleague at uh, Radio.com station in Cleveland, the fan, uh, Daryl Reuter, he is the beat reporter for the Cleveland Browns, and he put together the perfect season for the Browns. Perfect season going back to 2009. Why? Because right now you can go back to 2009 and watch any game via NFL Game Pass. Anybody can do it for free. Right now, Game Pass is for free for anybody. I watch Game Pass. I do it for my job. I watch the game. I watch the coach's film. All the highlights, The you can search things. But anybody can do it right now through this situation. They want to give you access to it. It goes back to 2009. You can't watch any games beyond that. So I created the perfect NFL season for the Bills, the perfect Bills season, 16-0, 16 wins, all since 2009. There's been 77 wins to choose from. But what I did was I said, I got to give myself a little bit of, you know, challenge. I could choose a lot of games from last year. Can't do that. I had to choose one game from every year and no more than two games any year. So that's what I did. I wrote an article. It's at WGR550.com. Go check it out. And then I said, how about I bring somebody aboard who may be a part of these games? And wouldn't you know, my man, Eric Wood, Buffalo Bills, radio network broadcaster, my colleague, former center, his rookie year was 2009. So I said, Eric, come on aboard and talk about these games on the podcast. And he said, let's do it. So Eric, thank you very much for uh, coming aboard. This is going to be really cool. I appreciate it. No, it's my pleasure. And I was really excited when he reached out about it to be able to go back and rehash uh, these 16 games and, and unpack them with you. Yeah, so we're going to do that, but I want you to give an update on how you are doing with your family uh, through all of this situation and just how it's impacting your life on a um, you know personal and professional level. Yeah, well, I mean, like most people, um, everybody's affected. Everybody's affected right now, and like most people, um, we've had a lot of plans get canceled. Um, those involved some trips that involved uh, me 
calling three spring games in college football this year. Um, one of which was going to be in the broadcast booth, one on the sideline. Um, and, and I was looking forward to those and that's, that's film that would have been very valuable for me. But, um, you know, right now, um, as a family, we're trying to be outwardly focused. We understand that we are truly blessed, uh, to still be able to put food on the table and, um, to have a roof over our head and not, not necessarily worry about that kind of stuff. So we are trying to outwardly pour into other people as much as possible. I have a, a tremendous appreciation for my wife and what she does on a daily basis and being home with our four-year-old and two-year-old because I'm home a lot more now with them as well. Um, and all the stay-at-home moms out there, uh, you are the heroes. Um, and then obviously just a tremendous amount of um, respect and adoration for uh, the healthcare workers right now first responders, um, all those that are out serving the community during this time. It's crazy. Uh, generally in times of crisis for our country in this world, it's the military that goes and makes the sacrifices. And now it's those healthcare workers, it's doctors, it's nurses, it's, um, uh, EMS people. It's, it's all those first responders, um, right now that are, that are truly the heroes. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, Max is keeping me busy and, you know, in the morning he's got a schoolwork and then during the day, you know, he's such an energetic kid, as you know, and I, I've been playing so much knee hockey and <laughs> lacrosse in the house or whatever it is. He wants to get he wants to get outside. And luckily, the weather's been a little bit more conducive to that. But I hear you when you say, you know, there's a lot of people in a lot worse situations. You know, we can at least, you know, make the most of it here with our families and do some things. But, you know, you feel for all the people who are impacted health wise, losing loved ones. There's a lot of death around the country right now. So, you know, we want to keep all of those people in our thoughts. And of course, it's impacted the NFL, Eric. I mean, last week we did a virtual press conference with Brandon Bean and all the Buffalo media was on a Zoom conference and it went well. The Bills PR did an amazing job with it, but this is the world we live in. I don't think we're going to be heading down to one Bills drive for the draft. In fact, I know we're not because they're going to be drafting remotely from their homes, basically. Yeah, that is that is absolutely wild to think about, to think that they're they're You put all this effort into the draft and the countless, countless hours that the scouts spend on the road and GMs and everybody else. And you're not going to be in, and I'm sure they will make it work. And I know they're making it work right now, but you're not going to have your big draft room. You can't have these big gatherings. You're not going to be able to celebrate the, the pick, you know, the bill's first pick this year, as it seems right now, uh, would be in the second round. We know Brandon Bean, uh, he, he, he likes to get active around draft time in free agency time. And, and so I, I, I would, uh, wouldn't be surprised if the bills made some type of move and maybe come up, um, from their original spot, um, in this draft in the second round, but we'll see. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a definitely uh, a different feel. And, uh, similar to you, I, I'm, I'm trying to stay busy as well. I do not do well sitting around doing Me nothing. So, so I'm trying to like, okay, what can I do personally to grow from this? You know, everybody had their 2020 goals. I'm encouraging people to have almost a, a, a set of COVID goals. And, and how are you going to improve your health, your relationships, um, your faith life, whatever it may be. Um, so I'm trying to, uh, and then skill wise, you know, I'm trying to play some golf and this and that, but I've been working on my podcast a bunch and, um, and, and just recorded one with Kyle Williams, which was a ton of fun, uh, being able to spend an hour with him and, and shoot the breeze. And, um, it's called what's next with Eric Wood. I'll give myself a plug. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Please. Uh, and, um, and, and I've had a lot of fun doing those recently too. And, and it allows you, um, although you're not, I'm not recording these live in person, similar to what we're doing with the visual, uh, aspect as well. At least you get some face to face interaction with other adults and, uh, trying to build some content that can, um, 
hopefully inspire people and push people a little bit in their lives. You and I both had uh, birthdays recently during this uh, thing. Mine was the day before yesterday. We're recording this on Sunday. Mine was on Saturday. Uh, yours was last week, I believe, maybe a couple weeks ago. Mine was the 18th. The 18th, yeah. So, I mean, it's been a little bit different and challenging. And, uh, you know, it's been cool to kind of – I said I said to my mom, let's Skype, you know, for my birthday. She said, okay. I said the same thing my brother. They do not live – my brother's in Oregon. My mom's in Georgia. They didn't know. I put them both on together, so we all got to see each other. So that was pretty cool. And, you know, I figured everybody's going to be home anyway, so let's, you know, do something like that. So that's the other thing. At least it actually has gotten me. I've, I've reached out to and connected with a lot of people I have not connected with in a while. Definitely. And, and – and- this time has forced everyone to slow down a little bit and get out of their busy schedule and their routine. Um, and for better, or for worse, um, it, it's, it's allowing people to kind of connect. I mean, it's amazing how many, uh, people are walking dogs around the neighborhood and we've been taking a family walk every single night and we rarely get to do that because we always have something going on. Me and Leslie do a couple's Bible study on Wednesday night. And then, um, I might be at the golf course or wherever it may be, you know, we uh, we've just connected so much as a family. So I just, you know, it, it's tough. And, and I understand that, you know, our, our jobs, we can still do stuff like this. And there's other people that have lost their jobs completely. And I have just a tremendous amount of sympathy for those people. And I know this is not an easy time um, really on anybody, but um, try to connect with family and, and, and make it positive because we don't know how long this is going to last. Right. And, and you can't waste days in life and, and, if this turns into months, um, it would be a shame to look back one day and say, well, I, I just wasted those two months. And, um, you know, we watched Netflix and we drank beer every night and we got fat and, you know, we had fun, but you didn't really grow as a person in relationships. Like uh, I'm a man of faith and I'm constantly kind of going back to like, what is God trying to teach me personally? What God is God trying to teach us all through this or what does he want us to learn from this? And uh, so I've been trying to just wrap my brain around that because otherwise I could sit there and, and kind of get in a doom and gloom uh, situation myself just thinking about canceled trips and we were supposed to go as a family here and Derby was coming up and yeah. whatever it may be, you can just play that game with yourself over and over. All right, before we get to this, last thing for you, uh, real quick, your thoughts on Stefan Diggs joining the Buffalo Bills offense. I think it's awesome. You know, I, I read something the other day where um, – someone had the bills ranked as maybe the top or as the top receiving core in the NFL. And, and I would put them up there. I love that they have three guys in Cole Beasley, John Brown and Diggs that can flat out separate. And last year we, we heard it a lot um, in, through, through our media work in Buffalo. Everyone wanted this big six, four receiver, someone that Josh could throw the ball up to and has a huge catch radius. Maybe Josh isn't the most accurate quarterback at times, but if we just had someone big and long, a Duke Williams type, you know who is easy to throw to? Guys that can get open. <laughs> and Diggs can flat out get open. He can separate from defenders. And where the Bills struggled at times on offense last year was when teams could apply pressure to the quarterback and play press man-to-man defense. And it kind of became a guessing game for Josh. Like, okay, if I'm only going to have a second and a half here to get rid of the ball, is it John Brown or is it Cole Beasley? Well, this just adds another guy who could flat out separate. And I, I, I keep going back to that word, but the separation that Diggs gets is what set, is what makes him a number one receiver in this, in the NFL. I love the contract that he's on. I hope it doesn't turn into some type of holdout situation down the road, because part of the reason you give up a first rounder for Diggs is because it's a very friendly contract for the right. Buffalo Bills at this point at, at 12 APY. Um, so in the new CBA protects 
from holdouts a little bit better than um, than than the previous CBA did. Protects the teams, right. um, so we'll see how that goes. But but I'm excited about it. I think I think that's a, a great addition. I love Brandon Bean's explanation of it too. In the 20s, in the first round, the Bills did not think that they could get a receiver of that caliber. So that's the position we wanted. We identified it. So let's go. Let's go make a move for Diggs. All right, Eric Wood, former Bills center, now on the Buffalo Bills radio network, and hopefully we're going to be hearing him and me and, my, and John Murphy, and you can all hear all of us uh, on time this year. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it, but in the meantime, you're going to hear him today because we're going to give you the perfect Bills season back to 2009. You can go back and watch every game on NFL Game Pass, back to Eric's rookie year. Here's the rules once again. I had to choose at least one game from every season, no more than two games each season. Eric does not did not know which games I chose until I sent him the list, so he can tell me, Sal, you shouldn't have chose that game uh, afterwards, or here's a few more games. That's fine. There are a couple games that he might not have even played in, so we'll get to that as well. Are you ready to rock and roll? Yeah, let's do it. All right, here we go. Let's start off with game number one, November 29, 2009. The Bills beat the Dolphins 31-14. to Eric, this was your rookie year. You guys stopped the Dolphins' two-game winning streak. You crushed any playoff hopes they may have had. They came in at 5-5. Five and five. You erased a 14-7 fourth-quarter deficit, 17 unanswered points, including two touchdown runs by Fred Jackson and a 51-yard touchdown pass from Ryan Fitzpatrick to Terrell Owens. What do you remember about this? Uh, I remember watching this game uh, from my living room because I had a broken leg. I had just broken my leg against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then um, I believe it was the following week uh, we played against the Dolphins. So I, I missed this game. Um, and um, that, that was such a crazy time in my life. You know, break my leg in Jacksonville. I spent four days down there. I don't get back till Thanksgiving Day. Um, back to, to Western New York and then watch this game from the couch. Uh, but anytime you beat a divisional opponent, um, you're always excited about it. We hated the Dolphins. You know, throughout my career, um, I feel like the biggest, um, maybe, I don't want to say rivalry we had, but we we hated the Jets for a while, especially when they had Rex, mm-hmm. because it was just, it was a lot of trash talking in the game. Uh, we just kind of clashed, and it was it was a pretty good matchup. You know, we would kind of trade wins back and forth. Um, the Dolphins were the early 90s. Like, that was their big rival. So this was, anytime you beat the Dolphins, the fan base generally is just so excited about it. As a team, you're, you're thrilled with any win in the NFL, um, and especially a divisional win. Chan Gailey used to call them twofers. Uh, because like they count double because the, you know, it's a, it's a divisional game. Um, but anyways, I say all that. And towards the end of my career, we always obviously want to beat the Patriots. We rarely did. Um, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we get to one of those. Yes, uh, we will uh, for sure. <laughs> well, let's get on to the next season because you were a part of this game. One of the more iconic games throughout the drought for sure. Maybe even in all bills history, really, but certainly post, you know, heyday of the nineties, 2010, November 21st, the bills erase a 28 to seven deficit deficit at Cincinnati. They win 49 to 31. Of course, this is the famous Stevie Johnson game. You guys went wild in the second half, 35 unanswered points, Stevie. Eight catches, 137 yards, three touchdowns, and after one of them, he flipped up his jersey to reveal why so serious. Yeah, that was awesome, and and that was a fun team to play with. 2010, 2011, I feel like we, we weren't that good, especially 2010. Uh, I think we were dubbed as like the lovable losers. We were oh, we started the season 0 and 8, but we fought our tails off. We had taken a couple teams to overtime, and then we finished the season 4 and 4. 
Uh, but we but we had a lot of fun. I love Stevie. Anytime that I would go back to Cincinnati, I would always say that was my that would be the game I'd get paid the least uh, to play because I would have to buy so many tickets because <laughs> I was originally from Cincinnati. But always loved going back there. Always loved playing against the, the Bengals. Um, my thing that I remember the most about that one is that was Geno Atkins rookie year and he was a backup defensive tackle for them. And we kept seeing him on film. This like 97. He's kind of short. He's not real big, but he would just wreck dudes when he would come into the game. And then he ends up being all pro the next year and all that. But, but that, when I think back to that game, I think, of our, when we were preparing, we're all like, dude, when little 97 gets in the game, you cannot let him embarrass you. Um, and, and, we ended up putting up some points that day, so he didn't embarrass us too bad. No, he's still a great player as well, obviously. Uh, let's go to 2011. You guys had a, a few really big games. In fact, I had to eliminate uh, one, the opener. You, you crushed Kansas City, but you guys had the two really big games that people remember. We'll get to the second one in a minute, but the first one was September 18th. You come back from 21-3 to down against the Raiders to ultimately win 38-35. to Fred Jackson, 140 total yards from scrimmage. And, of course, David Nelson, the game-winning touchdown with 14 seconds left in the game. That came after Demarius Moore, Denarius Moore, excuse me, caught a 50-yard touchdown pass for the Raiders with only 341 left. What a wild game. That was a wild game. And we dug ourselves a huge hole. You mentioned the Kansas City game. I, I loved that game. That was the 10-year anniversary of 9-11 at Arrowhead. One of the loudest I've ever heard of stadium. They do this huge um, uh, ceremony deal before the game. Tons of fireworks. Well, it was so humid in Kansas City, the smoke wasn't really leaving the stadium. So when you go back and watch the film, like our first offensive series was even hard to watch on the coaches' film because of all the smoke and how high the cameras are that provide the coaches' um, angles uh, for the tape. But then we come back home, we dig ourselves a big hole, we come back and beat them. Uh, one of my lasting memories will always be the Fitz laugh. I guess he was mic'd up for that game and he was screaming like a girl. Um, and and that, was, that game was an absolute ton of fun. Now, that was one big comeback. And of course, one of the most legendary games in Bill's history still to this day is the following week. September 25th, 2011, Bill's 34, Patriots 31, of course, uh, this is the second week in a row you guys come back from a huge deficit, this time 21-7 to against the evil Empire Patriots, who, by the way, had won the last 15 games between the two teams and 20 of the last 21. We knew that the Bills just could not beat the Patriots, but things were different on this day. The two offenses combined for 943 total yards. Brady threw for 387. Fitzpatrick threw for 369. Welker tied it with a touchdown pass with 325 left, but Fred Jackson had a long run that set up the Bills' game-winning field goal as time expired. Remember, he, he went down if he scores there's still time left he doesn't and what happened after thousands of people stay in the stadium fred jackson comes out with the flag there was joy in the streets of western new york my wife she remembered being home while i, I wasn't uh, on the sidelines yet i was at the stadium i mean i'm at the station she told me how people were honking horns in the streets downtown it was amazing that was an amazing game the two things that stand out to me most about that game was you mentioned fred jackson run that got him down there he he it was actually a very short pass that's right and so the Patriots had lined up in a blitz look um, and they had a linebacker man to man on Fred. What we had seen early in the game, um, if Fred went to block, then that linebacker would trigger and blitz. And because he had a man to man coverage anyway, so he would add on. So what, what Fitz had done, and he shows this to me in his notebook, he had written it down on Tuesday the week prior. He said, if we need it, we can get to this. And he drew it up in his notebook, came up with it himself. And he said, I'm going to have Fred pretend like he's going to block, get that guy to trigger, and I'm going to dump it to him. And so that was that's what set up the game-winning um, 
uh, field goal was a play that Fitz drew up in his notebook on Tuesday from film study, which just gives you a little glimpse into how smart and how prepared and what, what Fitz does for an organization and why he's still in the NFL and if people love him. And then at the end of that game, we're going to kneel the ball three times and then kick a field goal. New England, it was a hot day in Orchard Park. New England has their guys. They have Vince Woolfork and a couple other guys start standing over the ball and letting their sweat drip down on it so that it gets to be a slick ball so that maybe me and Fitz will fumble the exchange. And I'm like telling the rest, I'm like, one, wipe it off. Two, like, why are you letting them do this? And they're like, well, we've never seen it. It's like New England will literally try anything and everything, and they just teed off on us. So I have this wet ball I'm grabbing. And they are teeing off on us. And all I could think is, like, me and Fitz never fumble snaps. I can't imagine it would happen right now. But, man, this would be a terrible time for one. But we kicked the winning field goal. Awesome game. One of my favorite games in a Bills uniform. Amazing. That's a great story. We go to the next year. We do have a Chiefs game, finally. Um, and this game was September 16th, 2012. You guys beat the Chiefs 35-17. to Never a doubt in this game. You led 35-3 to at the end of the third quarter. Uh, there's two garbage time touchdowns for the Chiefs near the end. But what I remember about this is C.J. Spiller went off in this game. 123 yards and only 15 carries, two touchdowns, also three catches for 47 yards. Bills 35, Chiefs 17. Yeah, that's back-to-back years. Uh, we, we literally throttled the Chiefs. There was very few games in my NFL career where I got taken out because we were beating a team so bad that they would rest the quarterback towards the end of the game, and I would get to come out too. It would happen all the time in college. In the NFL, it just rarely happens. Most games are decided by one score or less. And back-to-back years, we do it to the Chiefs where I'm standing on the sideline with our quarterback at the time which is pretty sweet. Yeah, no doubt about it. The Chiefs were a different team back then, of course, than what they are now. I've, I've noticed when I was putting this list together, Eric, that um, a lot of the games on this list happened early in the season. They were September games. You guys had some strong Septembers, and then obviously the season didn't go as well a little bit later, but the, the, it was a little bit different the last couple of years, which we'll get to, but another September game will advance to 2013, the only game from that year that I chose for this list. You guys beat the Ravens 23-20, to and I'd say this would be known as the Kiko Alonso game. Uh, the Ravens come to Orchard Park as the defending Super Bowl champions. Alonso and the defense, they didn't care. They shut down the Ravens' running game. 24 yards total on only nine carries. Intercepted Joe Flacco five times. Alonso had two of them. He had an interception with 104 left in the fourth quarter to seal the win. Yeah, you mentioned having success early in the season and then kind of tapering off um, and some of the big wins happening early in the season. I believe part of that reason is we just weren't very – we had drafted so bad and we had switched schemes so many times through coaching coaching changes that we didn't really have enough depth to withstand a season. So as soon as people would start to get hurt, we would be bringing guys in off the streets and and we just – we didn't – we weren't drafting through the same scheme over and over like they are now where they are able to build – quality depth players who were guys that they drafted for this scheme. And, and that's my, that's my take on that. And it, it always kind of has been throughout my career. Um, when I look back and when I think about that bills Ravens game. Um, so we were running the no huddle at that time with uh, Doug Marone and Nate Hackett as the offense coordinator. We're running the no huddle at the time. And I'm telling them, Hey, we got to start switching up some of our terminology and they're like, no, no, we're good. We're good. We're going so fast that even if they do pick it up, they won't really know what's coming. Corey Graham was a defensive back for the Ravens that year, originally from Buffalo. And then he ends up playing with us with the Bills. So in 2014, uh, the year later, 
me and Corey Grammer in the cold tub together. And he goes, Hey, you remember when you beat us last year? He goes, we walked into our defensive meeting room the next day. And our coaches were like, I don't know if it's you guys getting cut or us getting fired, but we literally knew every call the bills were making at the line of scrimmage. We knew what play was coming and they still beat us. Like it's either an execution standpoint or a scheme, but like when you know what's coming, that's bad. And I'm, and as Corey's telling me this, I'm like, I knew teams knew what we were calling at the line of scrimmage. Like if it was that easy for us to like pick a guy off the street one week, teach him the offense and he could hop right in and like be able to communicate our no huddle scheme. I'm like, then it's too easy because that means that another team could pick it up in a week. Yeah, no doubt. Wow. That's crazy. And did you guys just keep the same terminology the rest of the year? You never really changed it up. You know, we would we would vary it at times, but there were some staples that we really never changed up. And I would always, for instance, like um, one of our like quick hitter passes could be like anything like that had to do with like a tree. So it'd be like Oak Wright, Oak Wright or Elm or whatever it might be. It'd be like trees and like casino games like blackjack, roulette, poker. Those were all a certain play. Um, and I'm like. I just feel like that's not nearly complicated enough. So like, yes, although one time it was like roulette, right, roulette, right. And then being like power to the right. And then the next time like blackjack left, I'm like, I know if I was sitting there on defense, like, well, I bet it's going to be power left. That's right. That's crazy. Wow. Interesting how it all works out. And you know, if you're a, a player that's all you do for a living, you're going to pick up on some of those things, which is obviously not a very good thing. If you're a bills offensive player in that situation, let's go to the next year and another September game. This is the opener. My first game on the sidelines as the Buffalo Bills sideline reported my first away game I should say I started in preseason that year but in the last week or two this is my first away game my first time experiencing going on the road and what a way to start a season what a way to start my broadcasting career as a sideline reporter a big overtime win over the Chicago Bears 23 to 20 EJ Manuel very efficient 16 of 22 for 173 and a touchdown he also scored on the ground Kyle Williams had the only interception of his entire career in this game and of course this game is known for Fred Jackson's stiff arm of Chris Conte into oblivion on his way to the end zone towards it. I should say went out of bounds just before he got there in overtime, set up the game winning field goal from Dan Carpenter. Yeah. Uh, a few things that I take away from this one. And I remember about this one, one uh, Jim Corneliuson did the national anthem. And if you've never seen him do a national anthem, look it up on YouTube. He yells the national anthem. Everyone in the stadium sings with, it. he does it for a lot of Chicago Blackhawks games. He'll do it for all the major uh, Chicago events. So opener home opener for them that year um, opener for the season, but, but their hope home opener. So they bring in the big dog to do the national anthem. And it was wild uh, to start the game. Uh, EJ Manuel the night before um, gave a pregame speech to the offense like that was um, not not scripted we weren't planning on it and then EJ put his money where his mouth was the next day and I, I remember thinking like that a boy EJ I'm proud of you brother and then um, Fred Jackson had that awesome uh, stiff arm on the way down there embarrasses Connie uh, on that play I actually had a phenomenal block I'll plug myself on that one and um, I I've I, I love that play for a couple of reasons. One, Fred's obvious run, but then I had engaged a defender on my left, one of the defensive tackles, and I believe it was Lance Briggs tries to run through on the backside of me, and I peeled back and just cracked him, and he went flying, hits the ground super hard, and then Fred takes it by us, and uh, 
definitely love that play. Yeah, that's why everybody's got to go watch this stuff. You can go see that. Um, check it out in the coach's film or whatever. Check out that block. That's going to be awesome. I'm going to do that as soon as we're done here to go look at that. I remember the blocking, the hole that opened up and Fred just took off. So we'll have to watch that. Eric Wood, former Bills center, joining me. We're, uh, what, seven, eight games through now. A perfect Bills 16-0 season. You can watch all the games on NFL Game Pass going back to 2009. His rookie year is giving some insight. Now we get to 2014. And we go to December for the first time here. And Green Bay comes into the game 10-3. and three. They're riding a five-game winning streak. You guys are clinging to your playoff lives at 7-6. and six, Still have a chance. But in this one, really, it was about the defense. Came up big time and time again. Aaron Rodgers, Eric, only 185 yards passing. And, of course, Bakari Rambo becomes a household name in Buffalo. Two interceptions, two pass breakups, and with only 158 left in the game, the Packers are only down six points. They're ready to march down to try and win the game. But Mario Williams sacks Rodgers. He fumbles into his own end zone. Eddie Lacy falls on it, I believe it was. Safety for the Bills, win for the Bills. Yeah, it was a great win for us. And um, that year, that was um, that was such a tough defeat. I, I don't, I don't want to ruin the moment, but to then go and lose in Oakland the following right. week was just an absolute backbreaker because at that point, I thought – we have a legitimate defense and Kyle Horton's kind of stabilized this offense. We could potentially have some type of playoff run in us if we could make the postseason just because our defensive line was so dominant in that Jim Schwartz scheme between Jerry, Mario, Kyle and Marcel just teeing off on guys. Uh, it was so tough for opposing offensive lines in that scheme with that personnel up front. Uh, but that was an awesome win. Actually, I, I, I don't normally like to talk about myself all that much but this is the game that i cracked play clay matthews which would be a big time penalty now um but i had trained for the combine with clay matthews like him good dude but he was talking a bunch of trash <laughs> and one of the of running backs reversed field and i saw him coming and you have like about a quarter of a second to make a decision like am i gonna try and end this dude's day or not and i gave him a pretty good shot well, there you go. Yeah, you can't do that now, but, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if your friends are not. We get on the football field and that's going on. You got to do what you got to do. You guys had a big win that week. Like you said, I think that was also the Oakland and Denver back-to-back weeks, the next couple of weeks, which really kind of crushed everything. But you're right. That team was on a roll and they were starting to get a little bit hot. Unfortunately, things didn't end up very, uh, very well. Now you go to the next year. This is the only game I chose, 2015. This is Rex's first game as head coach. It's the opener, Bills 27, Colts 14. It's also, by the way, Tyrod Taylor's first start at quarterback in the NFL. The stadium was rocking all day. I remember how loud it was. It was incredible. You guys jump out to a 24-0 lead. You never look back. Taylor, 14 of 19, 185. Percy Harvin, 51 yards for the opening score at the end of the first quarter. Yeah, this was this was an awesome start to the season. Uh, led to a lot of hope and promise. And then the following week, New England comes in, and that was an absolutely rowdy atmosphere. I wish we could have pulled that win off somehow uh, and saw where, where that season could have went, you know, if we, we get that second game of the season. But um, the night before the game, we had never been uh, given a speech by Rex before prior to a game. His preseason stuff was kind of – it was like – pretty much slapstick comedy and we're thinking is this going to be how all the rex's night before the game speeches are if i became an nfl head coach i would bring in rex ryan to do pregame speeches the <laughs> night before the game phenomenal i mean he was absolutely phenomenal and that was our first one we got to experience and i mean i don't know how much time and what all went into it because our video department is so phenomenal with the bills and the content they produce and they always have been but they would it would be like rex's speech with video kind of like spliced in it'd be movie clips bills highlights like all current hip-hop music with a beat and a good sound system like 
phenomenal. And uh, Rex had us ready to roll. And I, I remember his message the night before the game was like, we are built to beat teams like the Colts. Like we are built to run the football. They can't stop our run game. And we are built to get after the passer and they cannot protect Andrew Luck. And he was like, we are built to beat these teams. And we went in like, I knew we were going to smoke the Colts. They, I believe they were coming off a playoff run or a, a playoff berth this, the year before. They had Andrew Luck at quarterback, but like we went into that game knowing we were beating the Colts. All right, you guys are 9-0 and now in our perfect season. We go to Rex's second year. You guys start 0-2. It's not a good start. You know what cured it? The Arizona Cardinals coming to town. 33-16 to in this one. And by the way, this is the week after Greg Roman gets fired after just two games. Things were not looking very good, but this game turned things around for a while. You go on a four-game winning streak thanks to LaShawn McCoy, 110 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Taylor, 76 yards on the ground, and Aaron Williams returns a botched field goal snap, 57 yards, to put you guys up 30-7. to And of course, like I said, four-game winning streak after that, including obviously the game against New England when Jacoby Brissett started, but this is the kickstart for that four-game winning streak yeah yeah we we had to have it um arizona was traveling out to us for a 1 p.m game on sunday which is a tough deal for them playing a essentially a 10 a.m game uh for what what they're used to time wise and so we were thinking hey they're gonna come in they're gonna be a little off we have to jump on them early we did we established the run early um you read the stats out loud we got after them in the ground game and we're able to make some plays and um yeah, that, that truly got us rolling uh, in 2016. And then the next week you go to New England, it's the Jacoby Brissett game because Brady was still out. Then you go to the Rams, you win that game as well, 30-19. to 19. And the next game I chose was you come back home and you beat the San Francisco 49ers 45-16. to 16. Now the story coming into this game was Colin Kaepernick and kneeling during the national anthem, the controversy obviously that was going on nationally because of it, the story during and after the game, Eric, you guys in your dominating run game. 313 yards, fifth most in team history. Still have not had more rushing yards in a game since then. That's a lot. LaShawn McCoy, 140 and three touchdowns on the ground. Tyrod Taylor, 68. Mike Gillisley, 61. You guys were up 14-13 late in the second half, but after that, 31-3 over the rest of the game, and you beat San Francisco for your fourth straight win. Yeah, we got after him, and you're right. The big, the big deal leading into that game was the kneeling and all that, and it was Colin Kaepernick coming in, and we just... As a team, we just kept saying we are so much better than this team and we should take care of business. We cannot let the national anthem divide us or distract us to where we aren't going to take care of business and proud of our group that we went out and handled the business that day. All right. Now we go to 2017. Of course, we're in the middle here of a 17 year playoff drought uh, at the end of it, I should say, because this is the season you guys finally get over the playoff drought. And in that season, lots of surprises happened. We're going to go to October 1st. You guys go to Atlanta. The Falcons are undefeated, eight-point favorites. This is the, actually the first afternoon game at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. They'd opened it up um, week one or two at a night game against Green Bay. They had won. You guys go back and forth in this game. I thought this was a really good football game. It wasn't like super high scoring, 23-17. The controversial fumble return by Tredavious White puts you up 14-10 to 10 at halftime. After that, the Falcons tie it at 17 in the fourth quarter. Hauschka has one of the best kicking performances in Bill's history. He kicks a 55 and a 56-yarder. First kicker in Bill's history to ever have 55-plus yarders, two of them, I should say, in one game. And then at the end of the game, the Falcons are set up with a first and five from your 10-yard line down, uh, what, six points, and you guys stop them. 103 left in the game. Micah Hyde had two interceptions in this one, by the way, both of them coming in the second half. I thought this was a pretty cool game. 
Yeah, it was. And it was, a, that was an absolute blast getting that win down there. What a gorgeous stadium that is. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was an awesome win. The, the thing that comes away from this game to me, my favorite part about this game was after that game gets tied up, we go on a 17 play drive where we run the football every single play. And because we were telling them, we're like, we can run the football on these guys. We can run the football. And we didn't start off the second half running it as much as maybe the O-line wanted. Um, and when we got our opportunity, we go on a 17 play drive and get it. I, I want to say we like, we got stopped at some point. It wasn't, it didn't end in a touchdown, it either ended in a field goal or maybe we would turn it over. But we knew at that point, like they are done. We just like drove those D linemen into the ground. They're going to be gassed. They're not going to be able to come back from that. And then we end up beating them. Go three weeks later, same season at home. Buccaneers. You guys are three and two coming off a bye with two winnable games at home. Oakland's up next. These are games. Now the fans are starting to feel like this team could actually do something here. And, of course, the Bucks with all that firepower. 881 yards, a total offense between the two teams. You guys led through three quarters. Back-to-back touchdowns by Jameis Winston. Give the Bucks a 27-20 lead with 314 left. You come right back. It's only a three-play drive. LaShawn McCoy gets a touchdown. Then it's Tredavious White stripping Adam Humphreys. You guys get the ball back. Steven Hauschka kicks the game winner with 14 seconds left. Yeah, a ton of fun again. Uh, it's it's fun rehashing all these wins, and I have to go through the entire season. Yes. Um, I feel like each time I'm thinking, man, that was a great memory. Um, but, but yeah, that, that was a huge win for us. Keeps the momentum going. A game that we needed to win. One of those home games. Always talk about you got to win the home games. Tampa Bay was not that great of a team that year. We had to have it. And that, that, that 2017 team, as you know, just had a ton of grit to it. You know, we get down, but we're never out of it. And we come back and win that game and, and, and just take a game from the Bucks. It, w- it helps when Travis White strips Adam Humphreys, but uh, awesome comeback win. All right. Now, obviously, Eric, this was your last season, 2017. Uh, you guys make the playoffs at the end of the year. Uh, we all know what happened down in Miami and then obviously Eddie Dalton, Cincinnati and their win. But y- you wind up retiring after this year. I know you weren't officially a member of the team because you come on the broadcast the following year, just 2019, but you know exactly what happened. The Bills go to Minnesota 20, uh, September 23rd of 2018. They are 16.5-point underdogs. They leave having pulled the third biggest upset in NFL history, 27-6, to 17-0 at halftime, 27 nothing before the Vikings even get on the board. Josh Allen, really good in this game. 15 of 23, 186 and a touchdown, 39 yards on the ground, two TDs. And then Kirk Cousins is sacked four times. And yeah, a lot of people were knocked out of the survivor pools in this one, by the way. Oh, they definitely were. And I had gone to the opener that year in Baltimore with a few buddies. And uh, Joe Dallas Andrus, our old offensive line coach at Buffalo, was in Baltimore. So I was meeting him for um, after the game. So we did dinner with him. But I was sitting there and I was like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the first Bills away game. I've never been to a Bills away game, away game as a fan. I'm just going to go. Uh, hopefully no one will really recognize me. I'm not going to like, you know, dress up. I'm, I'm going to try and just like go as a casual fan. I was able to slide under the radar, but like in life, you, I will always root for the Buffalo Bills. But in the very first game I was gone um, to watch them get beat down like that, it hurt. But you never want them to like go crazy and do so good without you that everyone's like, thank God Eric Wood's gone. But you also never want that to happen. So for them to get this win in Minneapolis like this, their first win of the season, Josh Allen's first win as a starter, and I'll always remember uh, him hurtling Anthony Barr. Yeah, no doubt. Still a play that people will remember for Josh Allen, no doubt. Let's get on to this year. I chose two games from this past season, and of course, 
I think uh, there wouldn't be a debate on which ones were the most important or what to put on this list for the perfect Bills season. And we got to start with Thanksgiving. Eric, you were, as a radio broadcaster now, you're officially a member of the broadcast team. You're a part of this season. You see what happens. It's Thanksgiving Day. It's national television. It's in Dallas at America's team on America's Football Day. And the Bills showed the nation why they were 8-3 and three and should be taken seriously. Josh Allen, 19 of 24 for 231 and a touchdown. Super efficient. Cole Beasley, six catches, 110 yards and a TD in his return to Dallas. Devin Singletary, 63 yards on the ground and a touchdown catch from John Brown on a trick play right after the two-minute warning in the first half. The Bills take a 23-7 lead after three quarters. They never look back until Josh Allen has to watch Tredavious White over his shoulder eat his turkey leg on CBS on the postgame show. So this was an outstanding win. One of the better road wins or maybe even all-time regular season wins in Bills history. Definitely. And um, this game was so big for the Buffalo Bills because I always say it takes four seconds to make an impression and four years to change it. Well, the Buffalo Bills had not played any uh, primetime games at that point last year, but they have this great record. So everyone says, you know, the Buffalo Bills are good, but maybe Josh Allen isn't that good, but their schedule kind of has stunk so far, but this and that. Well, then they go play on national TV against the team that everybody loves, the Cowboys. You either love them or hate them. They're a polarizing team. Everyone's going to tune in anyways. Plus, everyone's sitting around on Thanksgiving watching football anyways, and the Bills go and put their best foot forward. Josh Allen puts his best foot forward as well, showing um, – on that QB sneak, the grit and determination and the passion that he plays with the competitiveness. So for the rest of, you know, for the longest time, Josh Allen will now be known as this competitor. He's so tough. He's huge. He was running um, around with the football, made a couple good throws. Um, but, but that was, that was an awesome game. So I'll just give a quick tidbit about what happened for me after the game. So I had called a college football game the previous Saturday, NFL game Sunday, NFL game Thursday, and then I was going straight to a college game. So I had just been gone on the road, and I knew some people going to the Dallas game. So I said, hey, can I leave the stadium with you guys so I can ride with the team to the game and then just get me back to my hotel or whatever afterwards? Uh, We can go get a bite to eat. I'll buy or whatever. So I I leave with them, and we go to – on Thanksgiving, not a lot's open. So we go to this little bar restaurant by the the stadium. It's just Bill's fans everywhere, and I can't – I'm just getting swarmed. So finally they're like, hey – we can go to this like uh, this uh, couple's house. They're having their Thanksgiving, but like they're friends of ours, whatever. I'm like, man, I really don't feel like going to someone's house like and entertaining. Like, no, no, it's a really small deal. So I ended up eating Thanksgiving dinner that night with some random family in Dallas uh, that were originally from Buffalo. So they're huge Buffalo fans. Uh, but I ate Thanksgiving dinner with some absolute random family taking pictures. They got on Facebook. We were all joking like that's going to be their Christmas card. That's I kept amazing. calling them my new. I was sending my wife pictures and saying, hey, I'm with my new family now. I hope you guys are having a great Thanksgiving. <laughs> That's great. Sounds like you had a good time, even though you were reluctant at first. You actually were happy about it at the end. I was having such a good time that I actually invited Josh Reed over, and he came as well to that family's house. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Very good. Awesome. I didn't even, I didn't know. Josh never really told me that story. I'll have to ask him about it. That's really hilarious. That's amazing. Yeah. All right. So we're 15-0 and now. We're getting through the Bills' perfect season. A lot of pressure now. They got to get to 16-0. and just like there was a lot of pressure to win to get into the playoffs and the game that we're going to choose at the end here. December 15th, just a few months ago last year, Bills, they show up on Sunday Night Football for the first time since 2007 and only after being flexed into the spot because obviously they were having a good season. Needed one win to clinch the playoff spot, completely shut down the Steelers' offense, intercepting quarterback Devlin Duck Hodges 
four times, sacked him another four times, held their running game to 51 total yards. The Bills actually trailed 10-7 at the end of three quarters in this one, but Hauschka kicks a field goal to tie it, and then with just over 10 minutes left, right after the Steelers' anthem of Renegade blasted through Heinz Field, Allen hit John Brown for a 40-yard uh, strike right after that. The very first play after Renegade set up the game-winning pass to Tyler Croft. The Bills were back on the national scene, and after a 17-10 win over the Steelers, back in the playoffs. Yeah, this was a huge win for them. What an environment that was. I know you were there as well. You were down on the sideline for it, too, so you got to experience it. I went down to the sideline before this game, and for Sunday Night Football, all the Steelers legends are out there on the field before the game. Um, just another huge spotlight for the Buffalo Bills and for them to get flexed at that point of the year. So to for the NFL to say, hey, the Bills are are going are in the game that's the most entertaining of the week we want to flex this to Sunday night football and to show up again and come away with the win um just just an awesome win for the buffalo bills you know what i remember about that game something weird actually before the game let me ask you about this because I, i've never gotten a chance to ask you why this was but i noticed and i was speaking to josh josh and i were down on the sidelines walking and i remember saying to him hey dude i've been out here watching the bills warm up like doing their normal thing i still have not seen the steelers not one player from the steelers has come out of the tunnel like it was weird eric like nobody from the Steelers came out till really, really later than anyone normally does. Is that like a normal thing by design? I mean, have you ever seen that? Is that playing mind tricks or just maybe the way Mike Tomlin does it? It was freezing that day. So maybe the Steelers training staff said, hey, stay inside. I'm sure their home locker room's enormous in Heinz Field. Right. Probably did a number of warm-up stuff inside just to stay out of the cold gotcha, for as long gotcha. as they can. Sean McDermott, on the other hand, will not break routine. He will not break his process for anything. <laughs> so good luck trying to get Sean to maybe give you a few extra minutes in the warmth because that's not happening. All right, so the Bills go 16-0. and Thanks, Eric, for doing this. But let me ask you, uh, is there a game on here that we left off that you say, you know what, one of my favorite games was something else that maybe somebody can go back and watch on NFL Game Pass? Or are your, most of your you know best games in maybe part of this list? No, I'd say most of them are, are, are part of this list. And the tough job you had is you weren't able to say, hey, I'm going to take four games from 2017, right. six games from 2019, because, I mean, you could have went through a number of games from last year um, and, and chose those. Um, the one we mentioned earlier, the, the, the Kansas City game um, from 2011, I actually watched that the other day. I've been doing Peloton rides at home for my workouts. And I, I can do a condensed game in about the time of a 30-minute class, yep. and it distracts me enough that I don't think about how uh, bad the ride sucks at the time. So I actually just went back and watched that game the other day. We made mention of it. Um, maybe I would have included that one, but it would have been tough to take that one over the next two games. So it's hard to say. Yeah, that was a that was a season. I actually had a few games listed on that one. But here, let me just give you the other game I was going to choose from that season because you guys had another game that year. Maybe it was Philadelphia, 31 to 24. I know what it was. I eliminated it because it was in Toronto. I didn't want to do it. 10 sacks against the Redskins in Toronto that year. Yeah, yeah, that was. And that was also the game that, although he stayed in the game, yes. Fitz, Fitz made mention of it. Fitz broke his ribs and that hurt our season more than um, definitely more than he let on at the time. All right, Eric, thank you very much for doing this. Um, once again, give a plug to your podcast. You're on mine. I appreciate that. And, you know, I want people to go make sure they listen to you as well, because you got a lot of cool stuff coming on, including Kyle Williams. 
Yeah, I really appreciate that. Yeah, my podcast is called What's Next with Eric Wood. It's uh, available on every major podcast platform. If you enjoy it, please rate, review, subscribe. Uh, do the same for Sal and his podcast. Just a couple of guys, um, you know, trying to put out positive content, um, trying to entertain people during this wild time. And one thing we can be doing right now is enjoying some some quality content. So I appreciate you doing this. Hopefully, this is a great distraction for a number of Bills fans during this time. Uh, can can help them. Uh, maybe lift their spirits, get them thinking, and it'll be fun when you release this. Tag me in it because I want to see some of the responses where people say, hey, you should have put this game yep. or why you pick this game because that would be interesting to see what all the fans say as well. It's always great to hear uh, their perspective on these things. And, of course, check out the complimentary article to this podcast that I'll have up at WGR550.com running through all these different games. Eric, uh, stay safe with your family. I know you will, but uh, thanks for doing this, and I hope we get through all of this and uh, say hi to your lovely family for me. Yeah, likewise, brother. I'll talk to you soon. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.